Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Post weekend review show. I'm your host Ali, and joining me as always, we have Simon and Dave. How are we, gentlemen? Uh, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, really good, thank you, Ali. Another weekend, we've got the three teams picked up points. Well, it's the first in a while for you, Simon, actually, but you know, you come <laughs> to the rest of us on the on the winning feeling. It, it feels nice for a change, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, a, a very a very upbeat podcast ahead. I think we'll. Um, We'll quickly start with um, the, the, the breaking news that came out the weekend. Obviously, Leeds um, departed with Marcello Bielsa. Um, Ross, the boss man, um, Mr Leeds himself, was meant to record a little bit about the, about the Bielsa signing. Um, and let's just say he's distraught. Like, literally, he's in mourning. Um, this is like Aston Villa losing Zach Grealish all over again. <laughs> <laughs> He's absolutely disgusted the owners. He's convinced that Bielsa would have kept him up and he could have left at the end of the season and went from there. Um, I, I don't think anybody else could have done... Well, well, I don't think anybody else will do a better job. Time will tell on that. Um, what about you, gentlemen? What, what, what were we thinking? Well, I kind of... I, I understand, obviously, the the relationship that the Leeds fans have with him. I mean, you, 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 it's clear to see there's there's a real strong connection there at the club. And I agree that I don't, I don't necessarily think any manager probably would have got that player promoted in the first place and certainly wouldn't have got that group of players to finish, what was it, ninth they finished last season. Um, but you can kind I can see why. I can see why that change has been made because... I mean, I think regardless of if he stays, if he'd stay for the rest of the season or what what they've done now, I, I think they're going to go down because I just don't think they're good enough. And yeah, it's it's a bit like kind of when we sat Dean Smith, like you don't want it to happen as a fan because you have that love for the manager. But if you're looking at it from an objective point of view, I I, I can sort of understand the decision because the way. They've been going at the moment, and I know they've been unlucky with injuries, but you just it looks like they're only going one way at the moment. So, yeah, at some stage, well, how how far do you let it go? Uh, fair point. I mean, Dave, I mean, echoing what Simon says on the whole, how far do you let it go? I mean, my my issue, not issue, obviously, I could care less, Leeds, I can't. But, um, do, do you see anybody coming in and doing a better job? 
I think it seems like, you know, the world's worst kept secret that it's going to be Jesse March who comes in next. Um, and he's like Bielsa on acid. Like, he, he you know, he thought Bielsa pushes his players hard. I think March is even, is even worse uh, or even better, depending on the outlook on this. But um, so in that regard, it's probably... I wouldn't say like for like, but it's similar. I, I, obviously, you know, the opposite was like, had they gone for a fixer, like a big Sam or a Pulis or, you know, all these other names from the past. I think that would have been curtains completely because that squad has only played this way for, what, three or four seasons now. Um, and I don't think a total change of tact was, was going to ever get the job done. Uh, I think he probably should have been given the end of the season because... You take out Calvin Phillips from that team, which has been the case for the last, what, three, four months? Yeah. Uh, Bamford's barely played since he got an England cap. Um, and I think I think it's probably fairly apparent that Rafinha's had his head turned in January. Um, Bayern Munich was all the talk, whether it's them or whether it's somewhere else. I think he's fairly obviously going to leave in the summer. Um, so that's your, you know, that's your three best players, I think, probably fair to say. Um, and... You know, two of them haven't been there for a while due to injury, and one of them is probably playing on maybe half measures. Um, and the way he sets up, you know, it relies on everybody buying in and, and, and you know, giving everything they've got every week, uh, which is why they get so many injuries, which is, you know, why X, Y, and Z happens. But that's also got them where they are. So um, I think he probably should have been given them the season. Uh, but he's also the type of man who would, from what I've read and seen about him would probably just walk away on what they're going to call mutual terms when he feels that you know he's lost the back end of somebody whether it's the board or whether it's the players no longer buying it what he's saying I've noticed like quite a few pundits sticking the boot in recently saying you know he, he plays this man for man style and they're just not good enough and this that and the other but they're exactly the same as they have been for a couple of years now it's just you know I don't know whether just injuries have caught up with them or what but um or whether teams are just wise to how they play now, you know, who who knows? But um, he's always to have played this way. Like I, I don't understand why pundits are suddenly sticking the boot in now um, about his style and things. He kind of, you know, you get peaks and troughs with 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 that kind of football. And that's you know, at the minute they're in a bit of a trough. But I think if you ask Ross and probably most Leeds fans, they would probably say, well, there'd be no one better suited to get this team firing again than him. Um, but I guess we'll find out if that's true or not. Yeah, that's it. So, a big, what, what will there be left? How many games have we got left? Ten, they have 12 games left. Games, yeah. So, yeah, big 12 games for them. Um, yeah, time will tell. Well, I mean, we'll come on to their game in the weekend and shortly we'll, we'll get um But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think it was, we kind of had to open up with that. Obviously, the big news comes from the weekend. Um, so, anyway, we'll, we will crack straight on to the football, Jackman. And we will go all the way back to Friday night, um, where Southampton carried on their incredible run of form with a 2-0 win at Norwich, Simon. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't stay in to, to watch that game. I, I, I was out I was out on Friday night. Um, I've sort of seen the highlights from it. And I kind of, I mean, you, you look at the results in isolation, you think, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But from sort of what I saw, that, I, Norwich weren't terrible. I mean, in the first half, I, I, again, you know, just sort of looking at the highlights, they, they played reasonably well, but, you know, Southampton, like you said, they're in such a good run of form at the moment and uh, they're, they're in one of their real peaks. I mean, they're their team that, they're a very odd team, Southampton, in that they, they can go in a run of seven, eight games 
where they look amazing and then they can go and lose four or five in a row and and you kind of you're never really sure quite what you're going to get but they're they're just in such a good rhythm at the moment that once they went one nil up I, I think you know there was there was no way back from Norwich and they Norwich you know a few weeks ago stronger couple of results together and look like they're gonna they might make a fist of it and I think like I said last week I, I think they will they'll still give it a, a decent go but I, I just think they're there's just not the quality there and, they're, and they're, they'll fall short and probably finish bottom of the table again. Yeah, that's fair. I think, as you say, they had a, a run of a few games, I feel like, where they were they were almost pushing out of the relegation zone, but also rock bottom now. But, yeah, I mean, Dave, I don't know which team you want to focus on here more, the Southampton's run of form, or well, the almost confirming really Norwich are going to be one uh, team, I would say. Just looking at the, st- the stats on this game, Southampton had t- 27 shots, nine on target. Uh, Norwich had eight shots, one on target. So I didn't, I didn't see it. I've been away this weekend. Uh, didn't watch the, the game live. I totally forgot uh, even a match of the day. I turned off after the nil-nil. So um, yeah, th- thanks for reminding me that this took place. Um, yeah, I, I don't have an awful lot to add. I think Southampton, a form team in the league at the minute, or one of the form teams in the league certainly. Um, up to ninth. They're only five points behind Wolves, who have been, you know, waxing lyrical about all season. So, um, fair play to Hassan Hoodle, because, you know, we've all been quick to stick the boot in after, after they ship lots of goals every now and again, but he's never kind of shied away from doing things his way. Uh, and at the minute, they're in a really good run. Um, now, as Sai says, question marks will no doubt come again when they go on a, a not-so-good run, but who knows, maybe they've cracked it. Yeah, they've got a nice, nice run of fixtures coming up. Um, first time in FA Cup, so like, who cares about that really? Like, well, they do, but I mean, league-wise. And then they've got Villa, yourselves, Dave, Watford, Burnley, and Leeds. Um, that takes a lot to, to the 9th April, so I mean, that's so, a, a lot of winnable fixtures for them. It sounds like they're going to have quite a big say in the old relegation fight, judging by that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that fixture list. But, <laughs> um, so. I, know, I mean, well, I think we're on Norwich in the relegation, we'll, we'll come on to that in a little bit. We'll wait till we've kind of covered the, the the main the main five suspects, maybe six of you, if you bring Brentford in it, and we'll we'll just discuss the relegation as we go off here. I think the, it's looking very interesting down there at the moment. Um, we'll come on to uh, another relegation candidate now. Uh, the uh, was it the early kickoff on Saturday um, with the Leeds nil, Tottenham four. I watched the first half and then turned this off because Leeds just made a mockery. Oh, eh, eh, Spurs, sorry, made an absolute mockery of this Leeds team. Um, I just could again a bit like the Liverpool game and whatever the game was before this for Leeds could have been ten at half time. <laughs> I mean, did you see this, Dave? Obviously, you were away for the weekend, but see much of it. I've, I've just. I've just seen much of the day for this one, um, but probably all you needed to. I, I, but well, as you say, Tottenham were, you know, streets ahead, and it seems like Leeds had a you know, reasonable go of things in the second half when the game was more or less up, and probably probably deserved one back, but you know, never didn't get it. Um, but Tottenham were miles ahead. Um, do either you have any thoughts on Conte's little paddy in midweek, uh, where? <laughs> The indignity of losing to Burnley seemingly foreshadows the fact that he has a hairpiece, um, <laughs> and 
threatened to quit there and then, pretty much. It was odd, wasn't it? I've, wasn't I've, it? I've, I don't think I've ever heard the manager come out and say something like that after a game before. I kind of um, didn't really know what, what to make of it, but I suppose if you've just seen your team go to Man City and win 3-2 and then go and lose at Burnley, you, you must be thinking, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Like This <laughs> this is really mental. Um, so, yeah, maybe that just sort of brought on a little mini breakdown in his, in his head. I do wonder what, what Conde thinks about, you know, like a Sean Dyche type character. Like, he probably hasn't got many of them in Italy, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> and it's just like... Obviously, Pep, you know, no one around the world for this, that, and the other. And you just see Sean Dyche stand there with a little disc beard and his, you know, shirt sleeves and his pristine tie, crisp white shirt. And it's like, who is this growly, growly, gruffly man? Like, <laughs> and why is he beating me 1 0? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was such petulance from him, wasn't it? But, I mean, he wasn't wrong in anything he said. Like, like, We've said it for years. Like, what do you do with Spurs? Like, the, the term Spurs it exists for a reason. Um, uh, it's basically the realization of a man who's just, you know, about to fail in a job for pretty much the first time. He's like, look, we can get we can get out of this now, or we can dra- or we can drag us on for a few years. <laughs> the choice is yours. Uh, yeah. So um, it was yeah, it was very petulant. I mean, oh, I mean, on the game, this game. I mean, Harry Kane kind of. We said it after the Spurs game last weekend. He, he, that's a couple of good well, forget, well forget the Burnley one existed in the middle but um, <laughs> a couple of good weekend games he's put in um, he's passed for uh, who do, 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 was it for Son? Yeah. Uh, yeah for Son yeah Run down the line was phenomenal again um, and he's passed for the ah, it was the Sun goal wasn't it in the second half where he just chips over the top yeah just really good build up play obviously Kane and Son have got the record for assisting each other I didn't realise that was a that seems to be a thing, but um, <laughs> that um, Kulisevsky is really looking a player. Yeah, like him, looks good. Uh, and Doherty getting a goal, Simon. Yeah, well, I mean, if you ever needed um, the embodiment <laughs> of of what that Leeds defence is like, uh, I, I think the fan that Doherty found himself in in oceans of space in the box to slot it in would uh, would 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 show you that. I mean, like you said. With uh, the goals on Harry Kane's uh, the pass, I think it's not. I don't think it's an underrated thing, but it's maybe not as talked about as much. Is how good his range of passing is. I think people who like football fans who watch it kind of know that, but it, you never really talk about when you talk about like the best passes in the league. You would never think to mention Harry Kane, but in the final thirds, he he can't half pick a pass out as well. Yeah, well, I put it in our chat at the weekend um, that it might be his best attribute. It's, well, he's certainly up there with them. I mean, he's, he seems to have rediscovered his uh, goal-scoring touch again in the last sort of month or so. So, uh, alongside that, I mean, I'd say, like, the relationship that him and Son have together, I mean, I didn't know it was a thing either, the whole assisting yourselves, but but, the, but they, they clearly, you can clearly see that there is a, a just a good connection between the two of them. They they sort of know what runs the other one's going to make, and they've got the ability then to pick those runs out as well, and then sit the ball in the back of the net. Can we discuss probably one of the greatest passages of play of Premier League history, where um, Leeds played a ball over the top at three nil at three nil down. Lloris came. <laughs> oh yes. Lloris came out. <laughs> got, it, it went past him, and then 
he tried to foul him, I think, at three. <laughs> failed. Dallas went in the box, and then instead of just tapping the empty net, he waited until Ben Davies and Powell were back on the line, and then just, <laughs> and, and then just belted the ball really hard at Ben Davies, and I was like, oh, great, great defending, Ben. I'm like, yeah, not, I'm not sure what pass it. Like, I'll, I'll never slag Lloris off for this because it's just part of his game. He's actually so terrible at coming off his line, yet he seems to love doing it. Um, I've never seen him come off the come off his line well and win the ball, but um, fair play, I mean, he keeps doing it. But, the worst thing, well, it's not the worst thing. It's obviously the the missing the open goal and the waiting and all that was fine. In fact, he could have actually laid the ball across for a <laughs> as well by the time he actually hit the shot. Oh, it was just atrocious. So if ever there was a, a term that showed how bad Leeds were, forget about the defending. That that was the passage of play. I mean, he he the way he panicked would put Timo Werner to shame if he was in that position. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It was, it's, it's almost like he he thought I, I must be offside or something here. There's there's no way this be, can, can happen because why when you've got an open goal, why would you stop and let everyone get back? It was just, it was so hard. Uh, honestly, like it's it's one of my favourite passages to play ever. Like, <laughs> I just I just don't understand ninety percent of what happened there. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it was. Uh, I can't remember. Was it Rafinha? Was the player in the box? And he just looked. Yes. <laughs> that might have been the the final straw. He's like, what am I playing with here? Like I can't. Uh, honestly, it's like he had so many options, and he just chose basically the worst one imaginable, which was do do nothing until they had people back in the way, and then just belt belt the ball really hard off a man who was like a yard in front of him. <laughs> I, I did really enjoy that. I mean, yeah, even if you've let them come back, you've still got time to like. Pick a side foot into the bottom corner. <laughs> just lever it at the defender. It was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go back and watch it again just for just for proper shits and giggles. Again. <laughs> um, Spurs, seventh in the league, boys. 25 games played, 42 points. Three points behind Arsenal. Arsenal played a game left. Uh, they have three points behind West Ham. Five behind Man United, who have both played two games more. Uh, again, the top four race is kind of getting close as well. Um, I can't remember who we all said last week, and I'm, we kind of do it every week, but Spurs are definitely a chance if they don't do a Spurs, because I'd say out of all the teams, they're probably in the, they're on the ascendancy of forum. Obviously, they had the black with Burnley, but that Man City game would have been massive for them. This game, they're kind of their good players are clicking into form again. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're, they're coming into form-ish at the right time. As you say, they've always got that Spursy result in them, um, such as Burnley in this case. But I'm, I'm still got my colours on the Arsenal masts, to be honest. I think uh, they're in the best position at the minute. Two yeah. points off four with three games in hand. Uh, it's, it's not a bad role, to be honest. Well, if, if they don't, do they technically Spurs it? <laughs> Or is it? It's the same thing, isn't it? Well, I mean, well, well uh, yeah. I mean, at the minute, it's it's in Arsenal's hands at the minute, isn't it? Like, strictly speaking, you know, it's theirs to lose. But I mean, you wouldn't hang your hat on any of them, really. Like, you know, there's a, there's enough nonsense around those teams <laughs> to suggest that it's you know it could go right to the wire. Um, Arsenal have got pretty reasonable run of games. To be quite honest with you, they don't have the worst fixed list in the world to finish the season with. 
Um, are Spurs still in the FA Cup? I feel like they probably are. I'd be lying if I told you. Yes, they are. They've got medals. Ah, they've got medals, have they? Well, you know, that might distract them. But also, I mean, they to go, they go to Old Trafford uh, in a few weeks' time. They've got West Ham in a couple of weeks. That'll be a big game. Um, they play Newcastle and Aston Villa back-to-back, which, you know, from a, from a reviewer core point of view, <laughs> big games. Um, they also go to Anfield, but they also they finish at Cower Road and, you know, could be worse. <laughs> but I'm sure it will come on to Man United and West Ham, but of the, four te- of the four teams that are really in the mix, I think it might end up being between Arsenal and Tottenham for that fourth spot. Yeah, I, th- I think we can almost rule West Ham. Again, we'll come on to them in a bit, but I think they, they seem to be the least favourites out of the, the four. Um, just with the games played. A big win for them today, obviously, which we'll come on to. But uh, we'll move on anyway, because, let's be honest, Leeds, Leeds are sat the Elsa, so even Roth doesn't care about them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and another team, obviously, who are, well, one team who are closing in on the bottom three, and one team who are closing in on mid-table. Dave, Shoot not win for Newcastle. Oh, the mightiest of times. Um, have you have you both seen this game before? I ask you about a decision that was made. No, I've not seen any of it. I've, I've seen the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the game swung in our favour pretty early on with a, with a red card for De Silva for Brentford. Um, now it's worth noting that in 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 the game time, Mike Dean gave this as a free kick to Brentford. And then had to go and do a VAR check to notice that the silver had stamped on targets like upper ankle, shall we call it? And then obviously decided that was a red card and gave us a free kick instead, which was jolly nice of him. But bloody hell. <laughs> like, come on, Mike, give us a chance. Um, and then from there, 10 men against a team like us who are at the minute in quite possibly the form of our lives. Like, this is, this is, this is unprecedented and... What was more surprising is that we actually, you know, took advantage of that and we probably should have won by more, to be honest, but their keeper played well. Um, Joe Linton scored, which tells you everything you need to know, but he is unrecognisable from the player he was maybe even three months ago. Like, he's just, he's everywhere. He's a midfield powerhouse. He breaks up the player. He plays the ball off to someone else and then he gets in the box. And that's, he's so physically suited to this league and that role. It uh, you know it's taken Eddie Howe about th- about a month to realise that was a good idea, whereas it took Bruce three years of playing him as a striker to be like, well, this is this isn't working. <laughs> um, so, I'll add, I've just seen the, the sending off decision, and fair play to Mike Dean for changing it. Obviously, he kind of had to once he reviewed. I can see why he's given Brentford a free kick in the first place. You know, just the coming together. Yeah, but he's a stupid man, isn't he? So. Oh, absolutely. at least I can, from real time, I can understand it. I was trying to work out how that went there because I like having a go at referees, obviously, but um, <laughs> it's not it's not the most ridiculous thing he's ever done, which is well, no, that's a that's a fairly <laughs> high bar of ridiculousness, isn't it? Um, the second goal I'd like to talk about because it comes from a Brentford corner, and you may notice, Ali, if you're watching the highlights, it breaks towards halfway and the ball goes up in the air, and you think, ah. Oh, I wonder who that is who's going to try and control it. And it's our centre-half, Fabian Cher, who is inexplicably the furthest man forward. <laughs> not, not only does he take it down, he knocks it past the defender and then runs through and squares it for Willock, who finishes like he you know, has never missed a chance in his life as opposed to scoring the first goal of the season last week. So 
when that, when things like that happen, you know things are, are, are going well. Um, we look as good as I can remember since sort of like the last days of Rafa when he finally got us playing quite well. Um, obviously, we've got to remember we're still only four points ahead of the of the bottom three, but we look. I'm not going to say unbeatable, but we look excellent at the moment. Um, every part of the team is working the way it should be. Um, the only downside, I guess, is that Chris Wood hasn't opened his account yet, but we haven't lost a game since Chris Wood signed, so reading that what you will. <laughs> so that's all you've used all along, was just to sign Chris Wood. It's basically, <laughs> if he played at the start of the season, you'd be top of the league. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm happy to go with that. I think I think that's true. Um <laughs> We've got Brighton next week who are on average form, to say the least. So we might even break our duck of actually scoring a Premier League home goal against them, which we've not managed yet. But next week could be the week. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on in a bit. They're not looking, they're not looking great just now. This weekend didn't, didn't do them any favours. But uh, Simon, I mean, what's your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I mean, sort of dives summed it up on the head. We got with the... Um, the early red cards, I, I think, sort of really killed any chance Brentford may have had in the game anyway. Not but having said that, even with 11 men, the way Newcastle have been playing at the moment, I'd, I'd probably back them. So we've gone on and, and won the game anyway. I think the from a neutral point of view, the best part about this game was uh, seeing Christian Eriksen come back onto the pitch. And, yeah. Um, I've got a very good reception from both sets of fans that you'd expect so I mean that's something that I, I think we've said before on here if Brentford's best chance of survival is is hoping that he is going to be able to get to a similar level to, to what we know that he can get to and I mean they they just don't score any goals at all do they Ivan Tony after relatively promising start in the first few weeks of the season it's just oh, I, don't, I don't know this has been such a limited impact from him and they I kind of think from their point of view the, the best thing they could do now is, is try and try and go more attacking at teams is they, they, they need to try and get goals in in that team otherwise they're they're gonna they're gonna sit down into that bottom three well, Tony's been out injured. Uh, he actually came back yesterday. He played the last half, half an hour. Um, he came on shortly after Ericsson did. Um, I think those two returning to form or trying to return to form is going to be what makes or breaks them, as you say. The next two games, they've got, to Norwich next, they've got to Norwich next weekend. They've got Burnley at home the week after. They lose both of them. They're down for me. Like uh, I think that's they're going to need to pick up a win in one of those two games because it's going to get to the point where like, if you can't beat two of the teams in the bottom three at this stage of the season... You're going to be down there, and it's going to be very difficult to get out. Yeah, they've played the most games as well. Yeah. All the teams as well. So not having the points on the board and not <laughs> playing the most games isn't isn't a great sign for them. <laughs> um, I know you you're not like confident in saying it, but I'm I'm fairly confident in saying Newcastle are, are safe now. Um, I know there's only four points in it, but just the forum, just the, the confidence that the players are going to go into games in now. Um, not saying you're going to win all your games, but even like, like even if you take away, say you lose to Southampton and Chelsea because again the form and the quality, former Southampton quality of Chelsea, I wouldn't be surprised he's to beat Brighton. Then you've got Everton. Crystal Palace don't exactly win many games. 
Spurs are a wee bit different, same with Wolves. Leicester aren't exactly in the best of form. Then you've got Norwich. And as you say, you always had that Burnley result in the, the last game of the season. You know, if it came down to that. And I don't know, I just think you're you're going to be more than comfortable before, well before then. The thing is, looking at it, it's like, I'll probably ask you two of your opinions in a second, but the way we play the game now, I say it's chalk and cheese compared to how we were under Bruce and even the early Howe days when, you know, he obviously needed a little bit of time to figure out what he was going to do. But the way we approach matches now is that we actually press the ball and we actually make an effort to win the ball back and all this kind of stuff we didn't do before and sounds based, but, you know, you've got to set a team up properly to press or else you just end up, you know, being, being overrun. Um, the way we play now, I don't think, Teams, well, I know teams don't enjoy playing against that kind of pressure because nowadays so many teams keep the ball. Um, so it'd be really nice to see how we get on against Brighton and Southampton, who are two teams who were, were kind of almost following the mold of a little bit because they, you know, they play a little bit that way where they, um, you know, they have this set style of play. Southampton in particular, where they do a lot of pressing and it's, you know it's quite high energy, um, high energy football. So as you know, relative neutrals in this, have you noticed? A difference in how we play, particularly compared to you know previously. Certainly, the game that uh, we played against each other the other week, obviously in, in the first half especially, mm. you you pressed our centre backs you know very high up the pitch and our midfields kind of was quite disjointed from the defence. It made it difficult for us to get out. Whereas the previous couple of years we've been up and we've played against you. Um, it's been relatively comfortable for us, even in our first season yeah. when, when we weren't great. I, I, I think we beat you 2-0 at Villa Park and drew 1-1 at St. James's. And in both games, you kind of thought they're not difficult to play against. Like They haven't they hadn't been under Bruce for a long time, but certainly that game of the week, it's a completely different style of play to, to what you have been the last few years. Yeah, there's definitely a massive improvement, David, just the, the style of play as well. Just again, it's a bit like my Mike Dean comment though. The bar the bar's quite quite high from what, what it was under Bruce. But yeah, it's it's, it's actually enjoyable to watch. It's a bit like I feel with Newcastle now the way you feel about West Ham. You know, just yeah. that enjoyable to watch. And as you mentioned when you were talking about the game and I was speaking about today when we were the difference in Joe Linton um in the last two months, say. Is that six weeks, maybe, sort of thing? It's just... Yeah. Like, I mean, Joe Linton was one of those players that we talked about. He's made, like, the talk of one of the biggest flops of transfers. You know, for the price, 40 million? 30 million? Yeah. It's quite high, you know, so yeah, that price tag didn't help, obviously, and it's just... He's went in the midfield, and he's just so, so good, and I would say he's probably your your best player this... this well, not this season, but... Um, in the time, because Maxman's always, he's kind of, not gone off the boil, but now that it's not revolving just around him, you know, he doesn't have to stand out as much. And and Joe Linton just looks like just different class just now. I know, it's quite scary, really. Because <laughs> he, was, he was absolutely hopeless, but now he's playing in a team that's very well oiled. So it's not just him, but, you know, Shelby as well, who, you know, we've all, can see he's a very good ball player, but perhaps doesn't have the the physical attributes, and he's got that moment of madness in him where he gets you know sent off. Or now he's still got a little bit of edge about him, but he's 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 playing a lot more mature now. Um, you know he, he knows he can pick the ball up in the other park and get it out to 
to Fraser or to Willock who will run with the ball or you know you just everyone in the team now has a very defined role and they, they do it extremely well or they have been doing extremely well these last few weeks yeah. um, even like Ryan Fraser who has been average at best since we got him um, he looks as good as he did in the you know, sort of peak at Bournemouth um, yesterday was probably his, his best game for us um, just going past men at, at, at will and just you know putting putting good balls in the box for obviously Joe Linton's goal but also you know Wood had a good header which was well saved um, it's a uh, now, all this was without our best three players as well. So, you know, Trippier, Tri- 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 Max and, and Wilson. And uh, two of those probably won't play again this season. Uh, Maxman should should be back at some point. But um, at this rate, you know, it's like, well, you've got to find a way back in this team. Because <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to up- upset the sort of the, the team chemistry just to shoot one someone back in but you know we're not in a position to be leaving players like that out so let's not get ahead of ourselves <laughs> well that's it I mean the Trippier one more so as well because obviously he came in made such an impact and he, he was pivotal in you know the, the, the form that you're in and then to lose him obviously for the remainder of the season it'd be very easy for the players to get their head down after that you know it'd be yeah well I mean he what, what I love about him is that he is basically asked to be part of the coaching staff while he's injured and uh we took a team photo yesterday after the win, and he's there front and centre with his crutches. Bear in mind, bear in mind, was a weird Brentford as well, so it wasn't like it was a home game where he just popped in. <laughs> um, which I think, you know, when you got someone like that of his calibre who's buying into the whole project, I think it makes all the difference. Well, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and another massive point that people need to forget, need to remember, sorry, is you signed a very highly rated midfielder in Bruno. Yes. Who, who can barely get a kick of ball. You know, he's, um, like, as you say, the resurgence of John Joe Shelby, Willock's for him again. Willock was kind of hit and miss again at the start of the season, again, whether that was down to Bruce as well. And then, obviously, Joe Linton coming in. You've got, like, a highly rated midfielder, like, around Europe, um, <laughs> who can't get in, you know, on a regular basis. So, and when he's coming on, like, even the, the was it two weeks ago, Against, I want to say you were playing Everton, and he came on. And I think he only got about three minutes at the end, but he still burst into a challenge to win a head. <laughs> you know, and like you don't do that when you're coming on two minutes to go if you're not bought in. You know, to the team, you would just kind of, oh well, whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, yesterday he came on um, at a time when Brentford were trying to find a way back in. Obviously, Ericsson come on, they were just starting to get a bit of territory, but. He came on and just calmed everybody down. He just spread the ball about and said, look, this is, you know, basically my pitch and let's just keep the ball. Um, now, obviously, he's probably, that's <laughs> not what he wants to be doing with his career, I wouldn't have thought, but it's nice to have that option at the minute. And at some point, we'll have to find a way for him to get into that team. But uh, <laughs> when it's all working, who do you take out? <laughs> like, there's well, no obvious candidate, is there? So. I, think he, he, I think he will respect that. He's, he's probably the type of player who does respect that as well. I think footballers are a bit like that. It's not like, it would be different if it was a striker, you know, and you're coming on scoring goals. Or not even getting the minutes, but the player in front of you is not scoring goals either, and you can get frustrated. He'll clearly see the midfields working well and functioning, and he's going to get a chance. Like, Roger well, Shelby can't play night yeah. every week. Same way Joe Willick's obviously not got that in him as well. He kind of tires at that 65, 70 minute mark as well. So the, uh, the time will come, a, a niggling injury that some arrest when there's midweek games and such. Um, it's, as you say, it's just great to have options there. Yeah, exactly. I think we've got sort of back-to-back midweek games coming up. Um, 
starting the week after next. I think we go to uh, Everton and Southampton, I think, back to back with a couple of home games in between. So, yeah, there's um, quite a lot of games coming up over the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. as I say, it's a, it's a tailor, tailor two teams that are one on the way up and one on the way down, I believe, with, with that game. But we'll move along to the next game up, which was Crystal Palace 1, Burnley 1. Burnley getting another another point on the board where Sean Deitch is clawing this team to, to possible safety again, which looked inevitable to go down just, just a month or so ago. But, I mean, doubt Sean Deitch at your peril, Dave. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I wish we could. Um, he, he just he just did what we thought he was going to do, didn't we? I think we all said the same thing, which is like they look doomed, but they had so many games in hand. Um, and you know, beating Spurs was probably the sort of wild card result that'll probably inspire them to get out of it because before that, you know, if they'd be on 18 points, you'd think, well, you know, that's looking a bit ropey. But when you pick up a win like that. And you go to Palace where you know, Burnley aren't the best travellers um, and they come up with a point and probably deserve point as well. Like It wasn't necessarily smash and grab, but um, they, they got a good go at times. So for them, they'll just keep trying to pick up these points. They certainly away from home. They'll get, you know, make ourselves hard to beat and then beat the rubbish around them at, at, at home, which if they pick up wins like, you know, Spurs is a surprise win, if you like, they'll be okay. Um, I think that game away at Brentford in a few weeks will be will be massive because the odds are whoever wins that's going to pull themselves away from the bottom three, and whoever loses it's going to be you know in it for the duration. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fair point. Si, I mean, fellow Sean Dyche and Burnley uh, supporter, um, <laughs> holy crap, they've that he they've sent like he softened there. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's Burnley and Sean Dyche doing what they do, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, they um, it's, it's a decent point away from home, and that they they're the type of team that they they just do this every year, don't they? They they just keep picking up those little points here or there. I mean, obviously they've only lost, they've only won three games this season. They've got twelve draws, which when you look around the uh, sort that that bottom six, looking at the table now. It's pretty, other than Leeds, pretty much double the amount of draws that every other team down there has got, and it's those points here or there that that come the end of the season. They you know they 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 tot up at the end, and and yeah, I think he's going to keep them up. Is and if he does keep them up, which I suspect he will, it'll be yet another incredible job that, that he's done uh, this season again. It's he it, it really for me deserves to, to have a chance at a much better club where. He's got an opportunity to actually try and do something because it's similar to sort of what we were saying earlier about you don't know what the manager would have got leads into the position that they've been in over the last couple of years. I'm not sure there's many other managers that would have kept that Burnley team in the league for the length of time that he's managed to keep them in there. It's, it's really, really impressive. Especially the last couple of seasons with the players leaving, not strengthening the team. Signing players from like League Two for like two hundred grand, and that's all they're getting to sign. It's just the the board. The longer he keeps them in the league, the board mm. should be giving him like a multi-million pound bonus. <laughs> he is keep, he is saving them a lot, a lot of money. 
I think that that what will help them as well, probably the, going on for the rest of this season, is their front two now of Corne and um, Vecor. So that's, they're two pretty decent players, and probably again comparing to the other teams that are down there now. I'd, I'd say they've probably got the best front two of those teams down there. And they're traditionally quite good at the back. You know, the first half of this season, they were pretty poor, but they seem to have got themselves going again now. That sort of triumvirate of Pope, me and Tarkovsky seem to be play, being able to play together a bit more regularly. So having that solid base with a couple of strikers with some proper quality up front... Well, uh, yeah, I think it'll see them over the line yet again. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, on the other side of the picture was obviously Crystal Palace, who, who looked really good midweek. Um, Zaha looked kind of probably the best I've seen him this season. Um, I thought he'd been, I don't know, I heard Sky praising how good Zaha has been this year, but I felt he's been not terrible as such, but um, nowhere near as influential as he had been, maybe because Palace have obviously improved overall. But I thought he looked really good. I know it was against Watford right enough, but um, I mean the biggest issue with Palace, why well, I feel they, they just don't win enough games. You know they they don't lose a lot, but they just they're very. I, I do like what Vieira's doing, and um, I think he's building something. You know it's it's on its way, but I don't know they're just they're a bit strange this season. There's nothing stranger than obviously you say they they beat Watford in midweek, which was. Quite a Crystal Palace result, wasn't it? Where they 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 play a terrible team, they get in front, and then they pick them off on the counter attack, which is essentially what happened against Watford. Um, so I, I looked at the, the team when they came at this game, and uh, obviously they had, I think they had four strikers on the bench, and they seemed to start Zaha is like the central striker, but on the bench on the bench they had Jordan Ayew, Mateta. Benteke and Edouard at, at, at home to Burnley like, why? <laughs> well people will tell you Edouard's a good striker though maybe that's the issue um, well whether he is or he isn't I just, I just don't understand that like, this, you just thought uh, a, a game against Burnley that's that's the game for like that's the game for Benteke, surely, isn't it? A big well, physical presence. As, as useful defending the set pieces as they would be, you know, like holding up, up at the other end. But um, for whatever reason, they decided no, we'll play with a false nine or whatever the hell they did. I don't know, but it just seemed a bit odd to me. Yeah, it's a strange one, as you say. We praised Benteke quite a lot this season, Simon, about his overall play, you know, and this. Yeah, as Dave says, it's probably the game of golf for about Benteke, really. Hmm. Yeah, you'd have thought so, but clearly Patrick Vieira had, had, had a different idea in mind. I, wonder, I would say I was uh, impressed yet again with that Michael Elise. Yes. yes. Indeed, that cross here was beautiful ball for Schlupp, and he's, uh, he's been a real bright spark for them. And sort of like you were saying, they're they look like they're building. They've got like the basis of something decent there. You get Elise's. I think he's what twenty or twenty-one, something like that. Young and you've you've still got that Eze as well, who obviously is coming off the back of a long-term injury. You know, they get them two firing for next season as well. Then there could be something there. Yeah, I I I really hope 
that they can get Conor Gallagher. I don't know what the possibility. Because um, let's be honest, I, I don't think Chelsea are player. Whether we, we all agree, he probably should be in that Chelsea midfield. But I can see them just spending another hundred million on the midfielders. You know what I mean? And him not going out on loan again. But I, I'd like Crystal Palace to show some amb- ambition. I don't know if ambition is the right word, but just a bit of intent and go and get and see Gallagher. Look, you come and be our man for three, four years. And then sell them at a profit. I think, yeah, I think if you're Chelsea though, and you, you're giving minutes to Loftus Cheek and Ross Barkley, you're yes. going to ship them out. You're going to ship them out first, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. But again, to make room for, for Gallagher. But I, I think with Gallagher as well, I think if if in the summer Chelsea decided they did want to sell him, I I think there'd be other bidders other than Crystal Palace who who would probably be able to come in and offer more money for him. I'd, It'd be a shame for them because obviously he's settled in there really well and looks really good. But I'd, I'd be amazed if he's at Crystal Palace next season. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. But um, I'd like, I think if you, because of what Palace have done for them this season and Vieira making them like their main man, and obviously there's the talk of the England call, I don't know if Palace could put a good offer on the table, you know, and get a couple of years. A bit like what Zaha was like originally before he, you know, went to Man United. Um, get a couple of seasons under his belt being like the first team being the man and then moving on to like a top six top seven team after that but um, yeah well, I mean we'll see uh, I mean Christopher Palace are fairly safe we, we all reckon Burnley are in that momentum now that probably like stay up I think I guess so. it's like yeah I think like I'd rather be in that position than Leeds or Brentford right now yeah no completely fair um, right we're not going to spend much time in this game because it was absolutely atrocious um, Man United nil, Watford nil. Um, anybody got anything exciting to add on to this I fell asleep during the highlights so I, I, <laughs> I've got nothing not a thing Simon I mean Man U should have won this game they, they had so many chances but you know as, as you know, I can attest Watford's they're they're ahead of a team away from home, so uh, you know maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should just be happy with the point. Um yeah, Crystal Palace. Just 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 read just reading the report on BBC in the first paragraph is Interim boss Ralph Randick says Man United must be sharper in front of goal after a wasteful display in their no nil draws relegation threatened Watford. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And he, and he he and he's a managerial mogul, is he? He's the one they all look up to. <laughs> um, yeah, so like that. So yeah, that was a thing. Um, Man United nil, Watford nil. Um, if you want an insightful thing, go and check out BBC's match report. Um, Simon, you're up. It's your it's your five minutes of fame. <laughs> Brighton nil, first winning twenty five games or something. After two. Yeah, we needed that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously it's been a disappointing last couple of weeks, especially. Um, so sort of Brighton away from home, the run we've been on, it wasn't arguably wasn't the nicest fixture that we could have had coming up next. But having said that, I think they're in quite a dodgy run of form. I think I'm not sure. I think it's about eight or nine games since I last won a game. I, I think I heard something like that. Um, but uh, it was a relatively comfortable game for us, to be honest. I mean, you could you'd look at 
the, the stats and Brighton had a head of a lot of possession, but they didn't do anything with it. I mean, there was, I think they had one shot on target, which was, you know, the daisy cutter from the outside the box that was never going to trouble Martinez. And they hit the crossbar as well, or like hit the top of the bar. But other than that, they they just never got near near the goalkeeper, near, near our goal. I mean, Mings and Konza were excellent at the back and any time the ball did get forwards, they, they were snuffing it out pretty comfortably. And then we sort of looked pretty de- decent going forwards on, on the counter-attack when we got it. And lovely goal from Matty Cash to, to give us the lead. I mean, I've so many times you, when the ball falls to defender in that position, they can panic and the ball ends up in Rose Eds, but took a nice touch on the chest and lovely volley into the bottom corner. And from that moment, I mean, that was relatively early on in the game. From that moment onwards, we, we just never never looked like we were in any sort of trouble. Uh, he, he changed, ever so slightly tweaked the system. And instead of like a 4-3-3, it was like a 4-3-1-2. And he, he had Ings and Watkins up top through the middle rather than one of them being forced out wide. And that worked a lot better. And Coutinho sort of floated around in in the hole and looked dangerous when he got on the ball. Was unlucky not to score with a wonderful free kick. It was a great save from the keeper, to be fair. But the biggest, two biggest things to me, obviously the clean sheet, brilliant. But the second one was Ollie Watkins getting on the score sheet again because he has been struggling in, in the last couple of months especially. He just hasn't looked at it at all. And it was a really nice finish. It was a great ball for Mings over the top for him. And if, considering how out of form he's been, he, he took took the goal on with, with someone who looked like they were banking confidence, one touch under control, and then hit it nice and early with, with his weaker foot into the bottom corner. And the celebrations afterwards, you can you could sort of see how much it meant to him and how, uh, how relieved I think he was to get the goal. And then the last five minutes, we gave a debut to Timmy Rabunum, who's a young defence midfielder, who there's been a lot of talk about and there's high hopes for. So, yeah, all in all, it was a, a very good day at the office. Yeah, completely fair um, in all your assessment there. Um, the only thing I thought was harsh was Buendia being the one to miss out. Yeah. Um, but he's probably been your liveliest player in the last few games, even in the forum. Uh, and I thought Danny Ings was almost anonymous. I don't know what you've done to him. You broke him. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I thought he was really anonymous. I, I thought Buendia could have probably done the same role as Danny Ings in there. Maybe played him as the, obviously, the second striker type role. Because he's quite good in the air as well. Um, but apart from that, what I really liked was... It looked like... I don't know if it was, or it was just the way he was talking about it. It looked like um, Watkins was having a go at uh, Cash when he scored as well. Um, because obviously... We all know what Matt Cash is like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think the sensible option, I think, I'm sure Mings was on for a pass at the time. But, I mean, obviously the goal went in, so it didn't matter. But it was good to see him that he even wanted, you know, he was still demanding the ball. As you say, the confidence to score the goal the way he did and still demanding the ball shows, you know, shows shows a lot of maturity that he's still got the confidence and that he's demanding the ball. Because a lot of strikers who are on the form that he's on this season would kind of shy away from stuff like that. But. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that 
I've always, I really, really like about him is it, his work rate and and the, like you say, he's 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 not been playing well, but but he's he's still putting himself about and still trying to trying to do things, which yeah, like you say, is I suppose it shows a good sign of maturity and it's the right type of attitude you, you want to see in a player that. You know, it could be quite easy to to shy away and sort of try and hide in games when when things aren't going well. But to sort of keep demanding the ball and sort of keep putting yourself in there is, is a good sign. And that now he's got his goal. I mean, he's the one positive I'm hoping for is that he's the type of striker that he's a very streaky goal scorer. So you know, he's obviously gone set. He's gone seven games without a goal. And I think last season he went about 11 or 12 games without a goal and then got one and went on a, a goal-scoring run. He, he tends to go in runs, so fingers crossed that that, that pays dividends again for us. Yeah, you, you certainly need it. I mean, Dave, what was your thoughts on, on this game? Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like we uh, kind of talked Brighton up a lot a few weeks ago and since then haven't won, so... <laughs> I think we didn't didn't we decide they'd lost one last game than Chelsea or something at the time, which was quite impressive. But uh, since then, I think they must have lost three in a row. So good for them. Uh, I thought this would be a draw because a lot of Brighton's games are, but and obviously Villa haven't been in the greatest of form recently. But this was a good result. Um, I think Gerard's well from sort of a Villa fans' point of view. I'm guessing, Sal, you'd be pretty pleased to see, you know, Gerard making those tactical tweaks and, and them working. Because there's nothing worse than when you're on a bad run and you, your manager keeps doing, doing the same thing over and over again. You think, well, oh, well like, yeah. something's got to change. Yeah, I mean, it's it was kind of, obviously, last week when we were sort of saying that I, I don't, you've got your system and you want to play with it and, and like, you want to stick to it, which, which is fine. And it's not, I, what I quite liked today wasn't like, a massive tactical overhaul, like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to go to three at the back. It was, you know, just that little change up front. And then the one big thing was as well, uh, the two fullbacks, Dina and Cash, weren't for, uh, so far forward as constantly as they had been in previous in the previous weeks. They'd be so high up the pitch for the majority of the game, whereas yesterday it was more reserved and they sort of pick and chose the times for the two of them to bomb on so we're not leaving the defence so exposed so yeah definitely it's nice to see as I say not a massive overhaul which to me suggests like a real sign of panic but just okay this is how we want to do it but we can do things slightly better so let's just have a little look at this and just change little things here or there yeah I think that's obviously useful for you you're obviously what 30 points 12th in the league I wonder if you might get a few more of these little experiments as the season goes on. When you, you know, you're obviously not going to go down. You're probably not going to break the European places, so you may well have a look at a few things to make a plan for next season. Do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I kind of sort of said on the, another podcast I was doing earlier that I think the the rest of the season now, yeah, we kind of be looking at deciding on what players he definitely wants to have around for next season and what players you might be thinking of moving on. And also, we've obviously got quite a lot of good players in the academy. And I think maybe not so much in the next few games, but maybe towards the last sort of three or four games when I think by that stage, it'll be fairly clear that we're going to be very set in mid-table. 
So that that would be a chance maybe to just blood one or two other youngsters in and just yeah, the odds tweak here or there I think would be how the rest of our season goes because like you say, we we we're not gonna go down and, and we're not we're we're too way too far off to trouble any European spots. So yeah, you you want to use the time left wisely. And my only other point was uh was Tywin Mings's pass the greatest pass of all time? Or or was it always a clearance? It was a wonderful pass. I think we all know that. I just thought I wonder what Ali would think of that. Yeah, no, Tyron Mings is the rugby player. You know, the one who always just kicks any touch for possession. That's, that's what's going on in the Aston Villa team. Um, <laughs> and this was just another example of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, he's basically Dejan Lovren in an Aston Villa shop. Um, We'll, we'll leave that there, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's a really good win. And I think what Dave said and what you think he carried on, I think this is the time for Gerard to, you know, start tweaking around, playing around, you know, different systems, different different positions, different formations sort of thing. But as you say, bleeding some young guys through for next season. Um, I'm sure there'll be signings brought in in the summer as well. I'm sure Gerard's had promises that, he'll be able to strengthen and, and play his way because it's nowhere near the, the, the style that he played at Rangers. And I assume that's the style that he's aiming for long term. Um, and it took him three years to get there. Now, I don't think he'll get three years at Villa if he's you know he's still struggling at that point. But, I mean, we'll, we'll soon see. But it's a, it's a massive win. Um, as you say about Brighton, I'm sure I read somewhere today when I was when I was having a look that Brighton have got 20 points from the last 20 games, which which isn't great, and it goes well, with a. I, I think I've read that they've only won one of their last 10 home games now, which is yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, so it's not it's not great, but I think we've always they, they don't win a lot of games purely because they don't have a striker, you know, so they're getting a lot of draws. Um, so until they fix this this striker, Danny Welbeck and Neil Mopey, they really aren't going to do. That 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 yesterday's result was the first time in ten games we've played against Danny Welbeck where we haven't lost, which is <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I I am fairly certain that says more about Aston Villa than. <laughs> yeah. <Aston Villa>. yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, Danny, Danny's family might be listening. <laughs> We'll take a quick break there and then we'll come back to uh, the last few games and then uh, we'll even cover a cup final on this one. We'll be right back. And we are back with the final game of the Saturday, which was an absolute delightful result. Um, I was actually torn with this, what I actually wanted to happen. Uh, there was no right result for me. But Everton nil, Man City won. Um, I'd say a fairly a, a eventful, eventless game. Sorry, but obviously the the big talking point coming out of it um, that Dave has had some some interesting conversations with fellow guest Carl um, on the the penalty incident. Um, so Dave, you didn't think it was a penalty? So for me. And again, like I can understand uh, why people might want to give and might not want to give them. But with this T-shirt line rule, I thought it was probably just about high enough of the arm to say it was, you, you wouldn't give it. Now, I think had it been given by the ref on field, they wouldn't have overturned it. But I think because he didn't give it on field, 
they didn't think it was, an, it was, it was clear enough to, to overturn. The problem with that is that the ref clearly couldn't see it because you know, Rodri's got his back to him. Um, it's, we criticise refs a lot, but it's not really down to him to be able to see through people. You know, that's not. Yeah. He's never going to be in a position to give that, uh, give that because it's. It, well, it was like a, it wasn't even like a proper attack, was it? He was just like going backwards in the box, and he for some reason decided to stick an arm out. Um, so I can see why it wasn't given. Um, I think had it been against me, I'd you know probably be similar to Carl and be pretty livid that it wasn't given. But with my sort of logical referee hat on, I can see why they didn't give it. Um, and as well, like this T-shirt line thing is all well and good, but the first thing people do is they look at the player's shirt and go, well, it hasn't hit them on the sleeve. And it's like, well, what if his sleeve was like slightly rolled up at the time or anything like that? Like it's it's not like <laughs> I don't think it means like the physical shirt they're wearing. I think it means you know, the, the graphic we've all seen, which is like, this bit is of the arm is handball and this bit of the arm is not. Um, so it was, it was a really difficult one for the officials and I can, I can see why they've come down where they did, but it could have gone either way, is my cop-out answer. My, my Liverpool answer is I can see why they've given it because it was against Man City. But um, yeah, but I, I thought it was a penalty. I thought... Um, I felt I felt the way it rolled. I felt it almost rolled on his arm, um, but I'm glad it wasn't. I said that to Carl. Carl messaged me as well. Um, <laughs> and he he just put fuming. I put I'm delighted. So <laughs> um, I, I I can hope City drop points elsewhere. My my hope is Everton getting relegated more so than. <laughs> I'll I'll take us just outscoring City between now and the end of the season. And beating them to, to win the league that way, but um, I, I really hope everyone get relegated. And I mean, t- in fairness to Everton, obviously one 0 is not a, not a bad result against this city team. They played well in the first half as well. They did, and as well, like the quote after the match from Lampard, where he said, "You know, a professional hasn't done his job properly." I wasn't sure who was talking about Michael Keane or the ref because <laughs> because. I've seen some amateurish defending in my time in black and white, but what? Like, how badly have you got to be to like not be able to adjust your feet, like, at all? It was like it was like he stood like thoroughly sunk into the turf. Like, how long? How long had he been standing there? Like, it was just it looked so awful. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? <laughs> like. I, yeah, when when I was watching it, I I kind of I really struggled to work out how. Yeah, it was like he got stuck in the turf. I I watched it back like four or five times. Like, well, all right, so it's come off whole gaze, and all right, he's got to adjust because his, his body weight's going one way. But like to barely kick it at all is an, an incredible feat of patheticness, really. Like it's not often seen at Premier League level, but somehow Michael Keane achieved it. Yeah, it was pretty impressive, but I suppose from from City's point of view, you, you'd credit Foden for being on his toes and then anticipating the mistake. Oh, I mean, he could, probably couldn't believe his luck. <laughs> like to 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 basically receive the ball four yards out with a, with a more or less open goal. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and only Jordan Pickford and his tiny T Rex arms to beat. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did just uh, pick up that one. 
Like, no. <laughs> and just uh, to give my view on the penalty, 100% a penalty, and I, I cannot believe it wasn't given. Yeah. I'm del- Again, I, I don't care because I'm delighted it was. <laughs> I just, I think we'd all be fuming if that was against our team. Um, well, as I said to Carl, like, we didn't get a penalty for Edison wiping out Ryan Fraser like in front of <laughs> in front of all three officials. No, no, like, no coincidence. In team yeah. Well, funny enough, when we played Man City before Christmas, we didn't get a penalty for Nathan Ake going through the back of Conza either. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Isn't it interesting yeah. how, how certain teams seem to always get these decisions? It's almost like there's a top six bias, but. I, you know. I, I still remember a video from last weekend where a fourth official looked absolutely disgusted that Man City had conceded. <laughs> and I stand by that was a disgust look. So you can, um, yeah, you can make of the FA what you will when it comes to. Porter knew he was after to get bollocked by Mike Riley for not ensuring that those points went a certain way, didn't he? He <laughs> <laughs> blew up earlier. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? Again, look, it's another City performance where they weren't great, but they just win, don't they? It's just, it is the story of Man City season this year. They're, they're just very boring, very methodical, not, they're not great, whilst being great, if that makes sense. You know, they're just, uh, I think they're the, the second best team in the world, um, but you just, you just don't want to watch them. I, I enjoyed the pure nonsense that took place in the last 10 minutes, which was totally summed up by Deli Alley running full pelt into Edison who's lying on the floor, <laughs> doing like a doing like a swan dive over the top of him, and then Edison needing ten minutes of treatment for I, I mean know, for for water, but <laughs> what? <laughs> how how stupid is Deli Alley? Like he must to do that. You must be one of oh, the thickest people on the planet. You know full well it, what the goalkeeper's going to do there if you do that. <laughs> it was like a ske- it was like a sketch, and the other thing he did, which I well, again fully applaud, was John Stones went down injured with a bad hand, uh, yes. whatever it was, <laughs> and, he, and, and he left and he, and he left a singular toe on the field, so the so the play, so the play couldn't continue. So Delelli was like, ah, oh, I'm going to pick you up by the foot, and I thought he was actually going to put the the sharpshooter on him at one point, but he didn't. He, he just, just tried to move him, and then got told off for it. And it's just like you are all grown men, and. <laughs> And I pay whatever I pay Sky to watch this kind of nonsense every week, and it's it should be, it should be free really when <laughs> that happens. Like, it's just mad. But the special shit. I mean, he's been atrocious, really. Let's be honest. Um, but it was never going to work him going to a team like this. Like he needs freedom and, you know, he, he used to be really good and he, you know, there's no reason why he can't be really good ever again. And uh, if Everton stay up, I think he will do well, but right now they need, you know, people who are going to, who are going to graft for the team. You look at like Van der Beek, who I think will, is a good player and will, will probably do well there, but he fundamentally turned down the move to us because he didn't want a relegation scrap and signed for Everton who were like two points further up from us. I know. The, the, I and now look where he's at. <laughs> If they go down and you stay up, Dave, <laughs> every I mean that would be all right. <laughs> it would be, it would, be, it would be delicious, delicious irony. But um, I, if I was Everton, I'd be like, well, actually, if that's your attitude, then I don't think you're for us because they must be deluding themselves if they thought they were anything other than a relegation threatened team. Like they haven't looked good for a long time now. <laughs> no, I think what you need to do though. Is you need to listen and take heed of what Frank Lampard said in his interview after the game. Just don't look at the table for the next few weeks. 
<laughs> that was the oddest thing I've ever fucking heard the manager say. Like, how can you say to your fans, well, don't look at the table for the next few weeks because it's not going to be pretty, but we'll be fine? Uh, <laughs> what I mean, does that mean? I mean, Steve Bruce has probably tried that at some point. He's like, just don't look at the table. Just, <laughs> just keep, t- just, just keep, just keep supporting us. It'll be fine. I thought that's such an odd comment. I mean, balls in the bath. Are Everton knackered? Like, are we just like about to see probably the biggest club in a long time be relegated here? I I firmly like I know I've got big money on this, and it's obviously a lot of it's my heart over my head as well. But if they don't go down this year, I believe they go down next year. I think they're just a club, just they're tumbling. You know, it's just it's getting worse and worse, and it's been like this for maybe two, three seasons now. You know, with the money they've spent. It might be the worst club in the in the Premier League to like the way they've spent money. Like the worst run clubs definitely Watford. Like we can all think we all agree <laughs> how that's done. But like the the money Everton have spent, there is no way this team should be out the bottom the top half of the table. They've just, what, if, they're, if, they're, if, if they'd appointed Roy Hodgson, they'd probably have stayed up. This season, probably, yeah, yeah, I agree. That's 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 my hot take. Um, <laughs> But just look, look at the fixtures, right? The next game is Tottenham. Well, other than Boring were in the cup, which I think they'll probably win. Um, they go to right? Probably won't win that. Probably not. I know Tottenham are Tottenham, but like you know, there's a limit. They've then got Wolves at home, and Wolves are like quite difficult to break down. Yeah, I'd be surprised if if Everton won that. They've then got us, which, as I said earlier, possibly the greatest team of our generation currently playing. In black and white, so that'll be all right. They then go to Watford, which is going to be a huge game. <laughs> like that's that's going to be quite a. It could be a six-pointer by that point. It's the last. It's the last game in March for them, so I look forward to that. But then even after that, they go West Ham away, Man United at home, Pal- Palace at home. They might win. Liverpool away, Chelsea at home. Like that's how a many horrible line for that. I know. Keep, how many of those games are realistically going to win? Palace at home. Yeah, they might get a point there. I said this to Carl. Last week we had Carl on. Yeah. I I said I could see like Everton's next five six games with no points. Like yeah. even the the Watford game, you could see it being a burn draw. West Ham are fighting for top four. Newcastle on form, as Dave said. Uh, Man United aren't great, but they'll not lose to Everton. Um, <laughs> Everton never beat Liverpool, certainly not Anfield. Um, Chelsea, and then even the last three, Leicester, okay, Brentford might be down, so they might pick up a win there. And then they've got Arsenal, who are still going to be battling for top four. I I think they're... I think them or Leeds need to rely on each other this season. I was going to say, I think I think they're relying on them being three worse teams than them. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know is, like, obviously, the, the, the key to avoid relegation is not being one of the worst three teams. <laughs> but... I uh, I just I really we, like not, you, not, you, not not really worried, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But you, you're looking at so I mean we're we're assuming I think that it's Newcastle are now probably safe. So you'd say obviously it's three from that bottom six, and I think we're all I'd say we're all agreed that Norwich are definitely going to go. I think so. Yeah, I think Norwich. My my yeah, I think Norwich are down. I'd say, normally I would have said yes to Watford as well, but 
It's the, Hod- Roy. it's the Hodgson effect that I think he'll get them. The fact that he took a point, I know Man United are terrible, but he's still got a point there. You know, he went to this billion-pound team that's built, and yes, Man United should have won it, but they also, Watford never looked in mass danger, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Burnley, a, I think. Ex- well, Burnley and Newcastle are the, not form teams, but out the bottom ones. They're they're again they're they're projecting the right way, and everybody else is coming down. Yeah. But for me, it's between Brentford, Leeds, and Everton. Um, I think two of those three will go down. I think Watford could sneak out of it. God, I mean, what a world we live in. Like, if you think of the size of teams that Leeds and Everton are, can you imagine if those two go down? I know we wouldn't miss much from Leeds because they're oh, I mean, but, but they are I mean, some Leeds, massive Leeds, Yeah, Leeds haven't been around long enough to miss them, but if Everton went down, I mean, that's... Yeah, I'm not missing them. I say, like, that, that's, that's as big a club as I can remember being relegated probably since, like, you since, know, Newcastle and Villa, yeah. arguably. Like. Yeah. yeah, no, it's going to be a delight. The, the party we are going to have on this board. <laughs> well, I, I think what... What puts Everton in real danger compared to some of those teams on there is that they're not used to this, so they won't have to play it. They might have the players up for the fight. But Burnley, this is their bread and butter. Watford, really, as well. It's, <laughs> they're used to, like, they, there is something to be said for having experience of being in the relegation battle. And I think we said a few weeks yeah. ago, after the, when Villa went and beat Everton and Carl was on, there's, for me, there's a real look of, in this Everton team, that reminds me so much of the Villa team that went down in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem with Norwich is we are used to it. I'm not getting everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I think Brentford are gone. I know they're, they're currently not in the bottom three, and that's a big statement, but I just, I see nothing there to suggest they're going to stay up. I think Brentford's saving grace is, I think you alluded to earlier, Dave, is the Eric and Tony coming back into the team. Um, the next couple of games will be massive for them. They can get even just one win, you know, to to steady the chip and then build a platform sort of thing. But, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. Yeah, I think, but as I say, I, I still believe two from Leeds, Everton and Brentford are there to go down. I, I can just see Hodgson keeping Watford up somehow. Oh, we shall see. <laughs> well, if he can if if get that Watford team to, to defend, then I mean, all better off. Roy's probably a wizard. So. <laughs> very, very true. Craig Kaffer could be player of the season by the way. <laughs> 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 Last game of the weekend in the Premier League uh, was today, and I didn't watch any of it, but uh, West Ham won. Will, um, this is a big loss for Wills, but massive three points for West Ham. Yeah, I mean, and they deserve three points as well. West Ham were, were the better team from the off, really. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't the most exciting of games to watch. Um, but, I mean, a, a big win for West Ham obviously keeps them sort of in the hunts for top four spots. I, I'm with you in that. I, I kind of think they'll fall out. I just don't know if they've got the squad for it. And from Wolves' point of view, it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Obviously, the 
defeat in midweek at Arsenal, having been in a good position there and losing to this West Ham today, that's any, I think, top four hopes they had, I think, are gone now. And um, yeah, West Ham's still in the mix, but you look at the games in hand some of the other teams have around them, I, I, I don't think they'll, they'll finish in the top four, but a good, solid result today again. Yeah, Dave, fair, fair, fair um, review on that. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen the, the Sky Sports YouTube highlight of this one. Um, my only question was why why was Socek like completely unmarked in the six yard box, like in open play? Like, I, I watched it back and I thought, this, something must have happened here for this to just opened up. And I saw just Connor Cody being livid about it. I was like, well, I'm not surprised. Like, you've got three centre backs, no one's anywhere near them. <laughs> and he's not exactly a small target either. <laughs> he's a big boy. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I was I was surprised that Jimenez didn't start. I, I thought that was an odd decision. Well, I watched Wolves against Arsenal on Thursday night, and um, obviously Wolves scored fairly early on, and then decided that they were just going to defend as a back pretty much. Um, and they're the most European team in the world, where like every single foul the player needed treatment. And then, like, we're making a sub, and, oh, wait, I know you've walked off, but I'm going to change it, and someone else is going to go off instead, except they're down injured as well. So we'll have to, play, we'll have to wait for that. <laughs> and I was, it's always quite uh, gratifying when the other team then wins it in the 97th minute when that happens. So <laughs> they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if Jimenez got injured or that, because he was meant to come off and then didn't. So I don't know whether he was injured or what. But... Um, <sighs> They're just a, I don't know. They're a very strange team. Wolves, aren't they? Like, some, they, if they win, that you know, they they they've won by great organisation, then getting a goal, a well worked goal usually. But when it doesn't work for them, like today, they just look a bit a bit naff, don't they? So, um, it'll be interesting to see what what the manager does with them longer term because I do like him. I think he's got good ideas, but they maybe don't have the squad for it right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this is this is the Wolves manager's first season, isn't it? He? he just took over this year, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, he took over from from, from Nuno, who didn't last very long at all. <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting to see how like next season really um, how it goes. This is the first year settling in. He's done better than a lot of people expected. Maybe not for Wolves fans. I can't remember what the Wolves fans said at the start of the year, but he was quite high on high on him. Um, they were quite, they were really dull at the start of the season, if I remember right, and they, they then just all of a sudden kind of quietly went about their jobs. So, be, again, it'll be interesting to see what they do next year. I think they'll, they should still finish in a European place, um, maybe the league conference or whatever it is. Um, you know, they're more than capable. So, yeah, it'll, be, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, and as far as West Ham go, I think, yeah, Simon. I think you said it. Like I think they're just out of the four. They're the least favourites for it, squad-wise, even consistency-wise in their results. You know, you're more likely to get you know a run of games from now Arsenal and obviously Dave's Arsenal and Hems and Spurs. Um, Man United are probably the again. I probably say I think you said that they've between Spurs and Arsenal, didn't you? And I kind of I tend to agree. I think Man United will probably be the this what four, fifth, sixth place team then. Yeah, if, if Man United could find some consistency, then that'd be all right. But they just they just can't string any results together. Like it's uh, he's a manager first. You know, when, <laughs> well, 
Well, that's it. He hasn't really improved them, has he? Let's be honest. I don't think so. I don't think there's any difference between him and, and Ole. Um, and that's, that's scary. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're replacing Ole Social with this manager with this great reputation, you'd expect to see something different, at least on the field. Even if results weren't the same, you'd at least expect to see like a style of play being different. Going well for them going forward when he moves upstairs into a uh, consultancy <laughs> role or whatever the fuck he's going to be doing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to add on this game. I think, as you say, I think it was Simon that said it. Pretty much rules out Wolves in the top four now. Um, West Ham keeps them in the hunt, but the games played is just massive when it comes to this top four Arsenal and Spurs. Having games in hand... Um, so if both teams win their games in hand obviously they I think they overtake both teams don't they so um, again I think we we all discussed it last week the relegation battle looks really interesting Dave can almost say exciting now that his team really aren't a part of it now um, the top four race looks you know looks fun and now obviously we we, we really have a, a title race sort of as well you know it's it bodes well for the, the last 10-12 games of the season Absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I think it's built up nicely, isn't it? Yeah, it gives us something to talk about the weekends. Um, <laughs> or one last game. It was the Carabao Cup final, or League Cup final, or Milk Cup, whatever you remember it as. Um, now, looking on paper, it's a nil-nil game. There's not really much to talk about, but this was one hell of a nil-nil. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> really, I mean, we were talking... Uh, before we started recording, is a fantastic advert for football, really. It's, one of the most, if not the most entertaining nil-nil that I can remember watching for a long time. Yeah, maybe the only nil-nil that, uh, <laughs> that I've enjoyed watching. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was a funny old game, though. I think the both keepers made a really good save each. I think we discussed that off the outside. Um, at the start, Mendy made a good one from Manning and Kelleher from, from Pulisic. Um, then Matip had a goal. Whoa, right, so... This... This was this is kind of going around the Liverpool one. I I understand why, but I mean, what's your thoughts on the the Matip offside one? You know, with the Van Dyke. Um, well, for me, I I think the goal should stand. So it, I we had a, uh, a goal disallowed against Manu in the FA Cup for a similarish incident, and uh, it should stand for me. I, I don't I don't think there's there's any infringements really that's been made. I don't think Reece James is getting anywhere near the ball. Which, yeah, it's it's one of those ones that you can you you could try and make an argument that technically, by the letter of the law, it should be disallowed. But there was no complaints from any players on the pitch in today's game or the one we had disallowed the other week. So, and I think that's always a big indication that nothing's gone wrong. So I thought that was a bit unlucky. But then I think, you know, Chelsea will argue that. One of their many goals disallowed for offsides. Uh, one of the one in particular from Lukaku. Yeah. Looks onside to me. So you maybe had one each there. Yeah, no, that's fair. Hey, Dave, did you see the did you see the offside goal for the Matic goal? Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I was probably you know to size discussed. I was on the side of the officials when that one was disallowed against Villa the other week. Uh, I think in terms of consistency, it's more or less the same. I think. Uh, I think Rhys James was impeded from getting the ball by Van Dijk, who was in offside position, so I think it was right. Um, 
and the and the Lukaku one was borderline to say the least. Yeah. Um, the one, the one you kind of just have to trust that their lines on their screens are right, don't you? you there's no real. The, the the one with the Van Dyke one well, I, strange was um, I felt Rose James was holding Van Dyke more than the other way around. It's kind of irrelevant though. It's just it's it's a fact that he was just interfering at all. Um, if, if, if the player's holding you, which off, by holding you can do. <laughs> well, I suppose you could argue if he, if he was literally being pinned down in offside position, but I think yeah, it's one of those where you could probably argue all day about whether it is or it isn't. But the scene have gone with this consistent theme, which is that if they're interfering with the defender who might have been able to play the ball, they're going to give it as offside. I don't mind so much when they are when they're all given like that. It's just yeah. when you get some down, some down, where it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a sticking point for me. Um, one other talking point that we had in our group. Now, I'm not expecting a penalty for this before anybody like telling me that Liverpool bias, but it's it's a thing that annoys me that it doesn't get given in the whole Premier League. Now, when a player takes a shot and then gets wiped out after it, but the keeper saves it, <laughs> so it doesn't get given as a penalty. It's it's a fun, this is all over. This is not just a Liverpool thing. This is just a very frustrating thing. I'm totally with you. It's it's I I don't really understand how a defender seems to be able to have a free hit on a striker just because they got yeah. shot away. Like if you if you cleared the, if you were a defender who cleared the ball and then a striker came and clattered you afterwards, you'd get a free kick given yeah. for you just because you cleared the ball. It's ridiculous. Uh, it, just, it's a bunk, anyway. it, it needs a ref to be ballsy and give it because what they're going to do they're going to review that and go well actually are you right <laughs> like, yeah. and that's all it's going to take is one to give it and be like well uh, we kind of overturn that because he has quite literally fouled him <laughs> like, it's no different than playing a pass playing, playing a pass off him in midfield and he wiped out like a second later it's still a late tackle isn't it so uh, yeah it just needs someone to to actually give it. It happened, happened late in the game and it's, it just made me think and I, I just got really, I said, like, you never give those. It's so annoying. It's so stupid. Um, I, I suppose the other big talking point um, in the game was the um, decision to bring on Kepa to just <laughs> how the penalties went. And well, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I can tell you now, Maurizio Sarri will have lit up the biggest tab ever tonight in satisfaction. <laughs> Watch, watch, watching that back. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, as I said to you before we started recording, from an objective point of view, that was the funniest thing that could have happened <laughs> for, for that penalty shoot out to end. Like, is I think it was when it got to the eighth or ninth penalty, I, I sent the uh, message in the group saying Kepa to miss his decisive penalty. You just, I just knew as soon as he stepped up, I just knew. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't think that he was going to hit it all the way to Glasgow. Like, I don't <laughs> think that ball's come down yet. It was like a goal kick, but I mean, that was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, uh, it's just like... I can just imagine the conversation being like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, you may not save any of their pens, but, you know, <laughs> what, that happens to any goalkeeper. And it's like, slowly but surely, as the, as the kicks were being ticked off, it was very, very apparent what was going to happen. And then, <laughs> oh, dear. The only thing that could have been worse, I, I said to Sai before, before you came on, Dave, was, can you imagine if Salah got, because Salah was awful in this game, done nothing. 
Like, imagine if he got the ball 20 yards out with 20 seconds to go and he just hammers it down the middle right at Kepa and he throws it in. So he concedes a goal in the most Kepa way and it doesn't even get to I know. <laughs> I do wonder if that's ever happened as well where the keeper's been bought on for pens and conceded before it gets to pens. Like, I, I don't remember that ever happening, but I'm sure it's, it's been a matter of time. At some point, especially if they continue to do this. Because um, Ryan said, obviously, they've done it before. So... Um, it'll definitely happen at some point you know it just takes a corner like a corner against Burnley or something and you're ripping <laughs> your goalkeeper well, you know it's well, people keep telling me kept this improved but like to me he still had Chris Packers for hands he got his hand on with four of the pens and it may as well just blown through the breeze like it was just pointless <laughs> well, yeah, the well, weakest wrists in football well I said that to Sai again before hanging it's like he came on because he's a penalty expert and the only one penalty looked like saving was the Canati one. That's it. That's, I mean, it wasn't even that hard to hit, but it just, it just went off his hands and <laughs> like a like a crisp packet in the breeze. It was just blown away. I did. I I, I put it in our WhatsApp group. I did find it funny that Liverpool's first four penalties were <laughs> a fifty-year-old man, a defensive midfielder, a centre back, then a right back. <laughs> I mean, he's, I think he, we were saying beforehand as well, the the first initial five penalties from each team like, were some expertly taken penalties. But then as it went along, was, I mean, they were just like, some of them were like basically just passed down the middle. And you think, oh, come on, that. My absolute favourite was the one, one where Kepa decided to try and play mind games with Van Dijk and give him the entire one side of the gold <laughs> And Van Dijk basically just blast, blasted at him and was like, well... Yeah. And, he, and he didn't get anywhere near it. it like, <laughs> what? Literally, he may as well put an inanimate carbon rod in goal and he would have had the same level of success. <laughs> Is Van Dyke the most arrogant player you've ever seen? He's just... Yeah, but so, you would be, wouldn't you? Like, if you were that good <laughs> at everything. Yeah, he's... Well, it's loving the shootouts as well when, when it gets further down. It's like the players who obviously didn't want to take a penalty... You see their faces walking up. I don't know if any of you noticed, but N'Golo Kante you look looked terrified. fucking terrified. Even after he scores, he still looked petrified. Like, uh, please, yeah, he, I maybe have took, to do that again. He took a really good pen, though. Like when when <laughs> when they get down the the sudden death ones, especially taking second, you think, well, you know, they they're gonna like either just blast it because they're panicking or whatever. But they all took like really composed pens. <laughs> it was disappointing from, from a I, neutral point of view. But then again... It... I loved Keller's penalty. I, I, love a, I love a goalkeeper taking a good penalty. Yeah, yeah it was nicely taken that, wasn't it? <laughs> I did I did say that he, he didn't play in goals until he was 14. And he's uh, only about 19 now, isn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to say, Liverpool fans were like almost human that he was starting to be, you know, over, over Alisson. So I was kind of glad he got his clean sheet. And, and I bet Chelsea wished they'd started Kepa and bought on, bought on Mendy for pens. Yeah, like I'm at a first, first trophy of four for the season for Liverpool. Quadruples um, uh-huh. on. <laughs> it's on. I mean, you've got to be in it to win it. And uh, I don't know who we've got in the, the FA Cup. I'd be lying if I knew. Um Norwich, uh, Norwich at home, I think. Is it? So that's that'll be next, is it? Yeah, it's Tuesday. No, it's when, home Norwich away. Norwich anyway. You'll be there. will be fine. Home Norwich on Wednesday, yeah, in FA Cup. Uh, so realistically, should go through there. Um, I don't know what round. What round is the FA Cup? What are we in? 
This is the fifth round. So is that quarters next? It certainly yep. is. Yep. Yep. Well, they I mean, are. By, con- by, by contrast, we went we went out of both we went out of both cups at the earliest possible opportunity, scoring no goals, and uh, <laughs> ensuring we play the least amount of games possible in the season. So <laughs> that is clever. <laughs> enjoy it while you can. It gets you. In, if it keeps you in the league, <laughs> well, um, there's always. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's the, the end of the football chaps. Um, anything else you you want to bring up from the weekend? Um, nah, nothing for me. Nah, nah. We, 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 this might be the most buoyant podcast we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was just one of those. We all won. It was great. Oh well. Um, right then, chaps. I'll start with yourself. Let everybody know where they can find you. In. Uh, so on Twitter, it's at Cy Regan and Villa fans who want to hear a cheery Villa podcast for a change, it's the Holtcast podcast and the website 7500toholtz.com. And David, for yourself? Uh, so you find me on Twitter at CM9798. Uh, the YouTube channel is CM9798plays uh, or the website is CM9798.co.uk. Excellent. And you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, and you're on to listening, so you know where to get us podcast-wise. Uh, please give us a five-star rating and review. We would genuinely appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much, as always, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Ali. Thank you at home for listening. And always remember, keep your Man in the Post. <laughs>